You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, and this is episode number 94. 94. And we have our friend Roxanne. She's a Roxy Rut on Instagram, and we're so excited to hear her story. She is from Florida, and she had a long labor. And you guys, if I understand long labor, or if there's anyone that understands <laughs> long labor, I'm raising my hand over here. It's me. I totally understand it. So those ones are hard. Those long labors are hard. So we're excited to hear her story. Her doctor also told her that she was a horrible, yes, horrible candidate for a VBAC. So we're excited to hear her VBAC story. And just like every single week, we have a review that we want to share with you. And Julie is going to read that for you. All right. All right. I'm so excited to hear Roxanne. Roxy, can I call you Roxy? I just yes, she wants. Yes, she naturally yeah. wants to call just, you Roxy. Because of your Instagram Everybody name. Everybody does. Yes. Roxy, Roxy, Roxy. I just sure do love you, Roxy. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear your story. But before we do that, we have a wonderful review from Miss Shav today um, from Apple Podcasts. And she says, I'm so excited to have found this podcast. Thank you so much for what you do. I listen several times a week on my commute to and from work. The women's stories are so inspirational as I prepare for a VBAC with twins, currently 29 weeks pregnant, and hope to have my successful VBAC after two C-sections in December. What, what? My goal is to one day be on your show as a twin VBAC after two C-section success story. Yay. Holy cow. We need you, Miss Shav, to be on our podcast. So make sure you let us know as soon as you have your VBAC. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, before we get into Roxy's episode, I have to tell, tell say something really fun. Um, in our VBAC link community today, there's a post from Jolene, and it was super cute. She took a picture of her, you know, in your car where you have the audio screen, and like they're super fancy now, and you can plug in your iPhone, and it pulls up your iPhone, and you can play Apple Podcast right there, and it's like a beautiful screen and picture, and she posted a picture of her <laughs> so cute her car and her little screen playing the VBAC link podcast and then she said who else and did like a heart emoji and a thumbs up and like the cool glasses it's just super cute like seeing her little picture of listening to us in her car and it's kind of I feel like it's kind of a common thing we listen to podcasts in the car especially as busy moms you know it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to get them in anywhere else but then I want to read a couple of the comments on this thread because it's so cute um, one of our fans named Randy says, I'm waiting for my three-year-old to start talking about Foley bulbs, dilation, and doulas because I have it playing in the car all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody else, 
Katia said, yes, I sometimes wonder what my nine-year-old boy thinks I'm listening to talking about episiotomies and perineums, but he's a trooper and stays quiet and just listens. <laughs> and so I'm kind of excited that we're educating all the kids about birth. You know, it's <laughs> like super so fun. I just had to laugh. I just, that little post in our community made me super happy today. <laughs> Aww, I love it. I love it. I love that these kiddos are getting very familiar with birth. Get educated. It's important. Mm-hmm. All right, cute Roxy. Well, let's turn the time over to you and hear this awesome story from this horrible candidate. (laughs) Horrible. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I will say one of my goals when I was listening to the podcast during my pregnancy was to be on the show after and share my experience. And so I am just so excited. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll start out with my first birth. I was in a new place, and I found out I was pregnant, and I went looking for an OB office, and I really was just looking for anyone that would get me in because I felt like I was a little bit further along than I should have been to get into an office, and so I think I went in around 10 weeks, which isn't late at all, but just decided to stick with this office because I just didn't know any better. And I just felt like the right thing to do was to trust the doctor, and it just never felt right. So another thing that I experienced with my first pregnancy was awful pain in my round ligaments. Mm, um, that's awful. I could, it was so bad. So I could hardly walk. And if I overdid it, which m- overdoing it, I mean maybe walking a mile that day, like I couldn't walk or stand without pain for a couple of days. And so... It was just awful, and that lasted for at least half of my pregnancy. So I was in a lot of pain. I didn't really know what was normal and what wasn't normal, but I kind of figured that that was extreme. No one I had known was really experiencing that sort of pain. And so fast forward a day before my due date that they had set, they sent me in for an ultrasound, and they said that the baby's head was going to be big. So doctor wanted to induce the day after my due date, and I was pretty set on that not being the case because I had taken one birth class and kind of knew that I wanted to go into labor naturally. But they sent me over to the sonogram's office, and I heard her say to me and my husband and my mom who were in the office, she said, they're offering you to get induced, and you're not doing it and she kind of gave us this look like wow you're crazy (laughs) so that made me completely doubt myself and I doubted my decision and she with that comment really convinced me out of fear to go ahead with the recommendation to induce so the day came day after the day that they scheduled or my due date the day after my due date and they started me in the morning on Pitocin And they ramped that up. I don't know what I was on, but they got it going. Mm. And then a couple hours later, they broke my water, and the contractions got really strong. So I asked for an epidural, and then after about eight hours of labor and being dilated four centimeters, the doctor came in and said 
you know, for safety for everyone. And because this is a big headed baby, we're thinking mm. a C-section is the best way to go for you. Uh. And so we were like, oh, my goodness, well, this is what the doctor's telling us. So we better go ahead and do it if it's going to be the safest thing for everyone. And so at that point when we said yes, things just kind of got chaotic. And I had a ring that was swollen to my finger that they were trying to get off. They were prepping me for C-section. I was throwing up. It was just got really chaotic really fast. But then they got me in there, did the C-section, had the baby, and everyone was healthy and everyone was good. But me and my husband were a little bit traumatized after that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was not the experience that we thought we would have. And the transition after that was pretty difficult. My incision got infected and I had to go back a couple of times to get it taken care of. And I just don't think that she was ready to come yet. Um, And I just think they took her early. So totally happy that she's a healthy baby. But that experience was not one that we wanted to repeat. So before I got pregnant again, I already knew that I wanted to have a VBAC. And... I don't know how I found, how I knew about VBACs, but I did somehow. Uh, so I told a neighbor friend about it that was over, and she told me about this practice in town called Full Circle Women's Care, and I just wrote it down in my phone because I was just like, I should remember that. So when I ended up getting pregnant, my um, oldest was 12 months, and so now they're 20 months apart. But my initial fear was that, oh, no, like I got pregnant too soon and a provider's probably not going to give me a trial of labor because it's going to be too soon from my previous pregnancy. And that was an immediate fear of mine. So I reluctantly went back to my original provider just to confirm the pregnancy, kind of agree with my husband, okay, we'll go back. And we'll confirm, but I'm not committed to her. I didn't like her, but I'm not really sure where to go yet. So I had prayed going into it that it would be blatantly obvious whether or not she was going to support a VBAC or not. So we went in. She confirmed the pregnancy. My husband's with me. And I went on to ask her about um, a VBAC in front of my husband. And she asked about my previous delivery. She didn't remember. And I told her why we had done the C-section and told her that I was induced, only progressed to four centimeters, and you had told me that my baby's head was too big. And she just said, well, we could try. And then she kind of went on. But I pushed back, and I was like, well, what do you really think? You know, do you think I'm a good candidate? Like, that's not a good enough answer for me. (laughs) And so after pushing more for a direct answer, she, like, looked at me. (laughs) She, like, looked me in the eye and was like, you are a horrible candidate for a VBAC. And she even had my husband convinced after that that I was an awful candidate for VBAC. And so after that appointment, I made an appointment with the Full Circle Women's Care to see if they would let me. And I wasn't even sure at that point if another practice would let me. But I was going to try. I was not going to stop with her. So my first appointment at the new office, I met with the head OB. There were two, actually, and I met with one of them. And I just immediately had a good feeling about her and the entire practice. And she was like, a thousand times, yes, you can try. She was realistic, and she told me about the risks, but she also told me the other side of a VBAC and the 
the good side. And so she highly recommended me back when I asked her. I was like, okay, you're going in. It's your baby, C-section or VBAC. She's like, VBAC all the way, the recovery and everything. She's like, totally for it. So I was elated. I felt so good about this practice, and I immediately switched. Like, we pulled out of the driveway, and I was like, honey, I'm switching. And he was like, great. If you feel good about it, he's like, I would prefer you to just do the C-section because I feel like it's just like we don't have to worry about anything. It's just scheduled. He's like, but I will support you. So I was like, great. That's all I need, just support. So he was on board. So then uh, the doctors and midwives there recommended a doula and chiropractic care and totally were able to point me in the right direction for those things in which I did both. So the chiropractic care took care of all of my round ligament pain. I did not have any round ligament pain at all with this pregnancy. And I totally think that that had to do with the chiropractic care. And I went once a week and that was amazing. And then I also um, got a doula course. And she she was amazing, too. So she was encouraging throughout the whole process. At our 20-week ultrasound, we went in to find out the gender. When we were also there. There was just a note that said that my placenta might have been circumvallate, um, which I had no idea what that meant. And when I went to Google it, I was completely freaked out. Mm-hmm. And so it was so amazing that I could just text my doula and yes. just be like, what is this? Have you seen this before? Like, I'm kind of in tears about it because it looks really serious. And she was like, nope, just a variation of normal. Everything should be fine. And that was just so awesome that I could have a doula to just text just for anything that I'm concerned about because I do have a lot of concerns sometimes. (laughs) And so, so she was able to help me with that. And then there was another mom friend that I had had who did a trial of labor. She wasn't successful, but she was just, she told me that even though she wasn't successful, she felt validated that she was able to try at this practice. And she told me that one of the things that helped her was learning about just people's stories. So she's like, listen to podcasts. And I was like, okay, (laughs) sure. And so, so that's why I just started Googling and that's how I came across the feedback link. And it was so encouraging to just like listen to other women's stories and I just binged I binged them all and it, and I was like on my phone like looking for the next one to come up like is there a new one yet that I can listen to and listen to them all the time and that was so encouraging for me so because they thought my placenta was circumvallate and I hope I'm even saying that right I don't know they wanted to do like I think it was monthly ultrasounds so I started going in and looking at the baby uh, just to make sure that he was growing accordingly because with that, I guess it's fine that it could actually be a circumvallate for sure is that the baby's just not growing well. Mm-hmm. So as they were looking at that, they started to be less concerned that the baby was going to be small and more concerned that the baby was going to be big and specifically that his um, shoulders were going to be large. So they did tell me that they wouldn't induce until two weeks over, and even then it was a conversation, but that we were possibly preparing for a big shoulder baby. So, and I think that's called the shoulder dysocia. Yep. Something like that. But I was just not concerned about it because I was like, well, that's super rare. 
that's fine. Thanks for telling me. We'll move on. So as we got closer to the due date, I was doing all the things. I was doing the primrose oil, raspberry, uh, res, what is it called? Red raspberry leaf tea. Yep. <laughs> um, I did have my membrane stripped. That was the like one intervention that I was willing to do, but I really wanted to stay to the least amount of interventions possible. And then I went a week over my due date, and it was the early Monday morning, and it was around 4 a.m. I woke up and feeling what I thought could be contractions because I really hadn't felt what a normal contraction felt like before that. So I just laid in bed kind of silently but, like, excitedly waiting to see if there would be another one coming because I knew that going into labor on my own was going to be my best chance at a vaginal birth. So I was super excited. And my plan at that point was to stay at home as long as I could before going to the hospital to deliver. So I was prepared to have a natural birth, but also open to an epidural. And my husband kind of woke up soon after I did and asked if I was awake and having contractions. So I felt like we were on the same wavelength. And I was like, yes. And so we wanted to encourage him to keep coming. So I started walking around the house since it was dark outside in the morning. Um, And since my mom was staying with us to watch my 20-month-old, we headed outside and just started walking around the neighborhood. And then I realized that it was real. Like, I was like, okay, these are real. And they're getting real noticeable. So we got home, and someone had said, get in in the shower, take a hot shower. That really helps. And I got in the shower thinking that it was going to help relax them. Well, they just got stronger. (laughs) So I was like, call the doula. (laughs) Tell her to come on over. And then when we called her, she was actually uh, heading back home from a birth, and she had just gotten done with two back-to-back births and was going home to shower and then going to head over for mine. (laughs) And so she was a trooper. Oh, man, yeah. Yes, she was (laughs) amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And exhausted, but she looked fresh when she got there, and she was ready. Little did she know, she was walking into a really long labor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she came over, and uh, I labored in the bedroom, and I loved the birth ball. I was just kind of sitting on that, and she was just um, working with some breathing with me. I was walking around, eating, and we were doing that till about 3 p.m. So we were doing that for a good part of the day. Uh, and then my contractions started to get really close together and stronger, probably within three minutes. And, and then I threw up and began having hot sweats. And mm, good she signs. Was like, <laughs> yeah, I know. She's like, good sign. She's like, she's like, if you want to, she's like, I think that we can head to the hospital. And I think that, you know, we might have this baby. So we were all excited. We decided to pack up and head to the hospital thinking we'd get there and things would just go. So... Funny story. On the way to the hospital, my husband placed our birth ball, and it was a weighted birth ball. He put it in the back of the bed of our truck. About halfway there, he looked back and he goes, Roxanne, the birth ball's gone. And I was like, What? Are you kidding me? It had flown out. <laughs> Did it blow out? <laughs> it flew out on the freeway. So, that is oh my gosh. So <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so someone's car got hit up. with a birth ball. <laughs> no, thankfully not. But. When we got to the hospital, because that was my concern, I'm like, did it hit someone? When we got there, 
our doula had been following us, and she was like, I saw that thing fly out. She's like, I tried not to hit it, but then it landed on the side of the road. So she got she it? kind of hung out there. She, she drove past it because oh. we were on, a like, a highway. So yeah. Oh, my gosh. That so, is hilarious. <laughs> but I was so sad because then I'm like, oh, no. I Like, I was loving my birth ball. Like, okay, that was the most comfortable position to labor in. What are we going to do now? So... We got to the hospital and got immediately admitted. My mother-in-law showed up with a brand-new birth ball and pumped that thing up. So she was amazing. And then I began laboring on it. When the midwife showed up, she jokingly said, Is somebody missing a birth ball? Someone on the highway. And we just started dying laughing. Oh, my gosh. Um, we're like, that was ours. <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> so there was a birth ball on the side of the highway. Oh, so that was some comedic humor or a nice little break in the labor. That is um, so funny. <laughs> so then after we got checked in, I was laboring on the back on the birth ball. She decided to check me, and we were all expecting. We we're like 9 or 10. She's going to push soon. So she checked after I was laboring for almost 13 hours at home, and I was a 3. Oh, so we were all so in disbelief. Hard. It was really hard. I mean, I was discouraged. And then, so actually, I think the nurse there checked first, and then we had the midwife come, and we're like, no, 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 check her. She's definitely not a three. Check Mina. She's like, no, yeah, she's a three. And she said that she could feel a bag of bulging water there, too. So nice. that might have been what was making everything feel so intense. Um, and then the baby's head was right on top of that, but the bag of water was kind of bulging around it. So I did decline to have it broken because I just was like least amount of interventions possible we had done that last time I was like I really just want to see if it'll break on its own so I was just wanting to avoid c-section at all costs and so soon after getting checked in and and that happened I just started non-stop shivering and got really tense and was just starting to feel exhausted so because of that, um, I decided to get an epidural just with the hope that it would help relax my body because I was just getting so tense from shivering and really couldn't calm it down. So once I had the epidural, I was able to lay down. I got warm, and I actually went to sleep for a while. So it was like kind of nice to rest for a little bit. And within the first hour, it was, like, dilated from a 3 to a 5. And the next, it was, like, 5 to a 7. And then the next, it was 7 to a 9. So I felt like, wow, this is progressing. And this is so awesome. The epidural's helping. And then I stayed at a 9. Mm. So for a long time, during one of the checks, probably around midnight or so, that's when my water broke. She had gone up and just checked what I was, and it just kind of broke while it was up there, so that was encouraging. We thought, okay, maybe that made room for baby's head to come down, but midwife and doula, they were so supportive the entire time of every decision I was making, and so then we rested a little bit more. She came back in at the next check. She said, because I had been at a nine for so long, my cervix was getting a little swollen on one side, so... Mm. um that was discouraging to hear, and I think I just had been laboring for so long that I was just getting discouraged a little bit quicker. 
So she just said, we're going to get some Benadryl. It's going to go down. And at that point, I kind of wanted to cry a little. <laughs> but my doula, she came up to me. and She's like, Roxanne, this is not your previous birth. And that checked me enough to get my head back in the game. I was like, she is right. Like, I need to stop thinking that every intervention we're doing is leading me to the same path when this is not my previous birth. I gotta get my head out of that. So swelling went down the next time she came in and checked, but I think the baby had moved around a little bit. He was, and he had turned sunny side up. So she was trying to turn him. Um, and while she was doing that, we had had, because my water had broke and I was on an epidural, she was able to put a, a monitor up. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? A monitor up in me. So yeah, and an IUPC. Yeah, yeah, IUPC. Mm-hmm. That yes. So that was able to show us that my contractions just weren't strong enough to get the baby going down. So that's when she started suggesting pitocin, and so I had said no for a while to the pitocin until she was like, "I think this is really going to help," and I was like, "Okay, I know from <laughs> the podcast and." from research that you can use Pitocin uh, mm-hmm. responsibly during a VBAC. And so let's try it. So she started on the Pitocin and she was like, okay, guys, she turned off the light. She's like, you guys go to sleep and I'll be back. So then I woke up around, it was 845 and the next morning and said I, that I felt it. I felt some pressure down below, but I was like, but I don't feel like, the pressure that you guys are describing, I was like, I don't, I don't know, but I feel some sort of pressure. So the new wife checked and she said, I feel a head. She's like, in fact, I see a head. <laughs> She's like, it's time to push. And I was like, okay. But I wasn't like totally excited yet because I knew that it wasn't over. But I was like, okay, on to the next thing. Like we're, we've, we're past one of the things. So she told me that she's like, okay, so I know in our charts and our notes that they have said that he could possibly have some large shoulders. She told me that if that happened, that there's a protocol they'll follow, that they'll lay me down flat on my back, and that things might get really intense really fast. She, and I was like, okay, cool, great. And so and then we went on, and she was like, okay, let's go ahead and we can start pushing. And so I had felt the pressure of the contractions enough to know when to push. And so that was awesome. I pushed for about 15 minutes until his head popped out. Wow. Um, awesome. But his shoulders did not. <laughs> and so things did get serious very fast. Mm. They laid me flat on my back and they just began doing things to get him out. But I remember seeing my doula's face and she was completely calm. And so that kind of, to me, was like, Mm -hmm. okay, she's not worried about what's going on. I don't feel like I'm going to worry about what's going on. It was probably about 25 seconds, they said, before the midwife just kind of, just kind of worked her magic and grabbed, went in, grabbed an arm, and he came out. And he was perfectly healthy. Like, I was like, is anything broken? Like, are there any, like... I think sometimes, what is it, the clavicle that kind of can mm-hmm. get broken when they do that. But nope, yes. he was totally healthy. And they laid him on top of me. It was 924. So with that, it was almost almost the 30 hours of labor, actually, with that. And it was just so peaceful. And I, yeah, <laughs> with all of that, I couldn't believe that 
An hour later, I could just drink coffee and eat a burger. And <laughs> I was feeling great. Like, that was just so amazing to me. And the healing was so much better than from a C-section. And the biggest thing for me was not having to tell my toddler that I couldn't pick her up. Um, mm-hmm. Because I just was like, she wouldn't understand that. And that would be so sad. So, and he was just such a calm and happy baby. And so I just think that the birth experience had so much to do with that. And he was ready to come. You know, he came on his own. So I just, yes, I just was so elated that I was able to do that. And that's pretty much my birth story with with my little boy. That is so incredible. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, me too. And, you know, I just was at a birth yesterday, a VBAC birth, and um, the end of your story, like, just was so much of what I lived yesterday. Um, As a doula, as this mom, she got to nine centimeters and just kind of hung out and contractions. She, they placed an IUPC, which is that inner uterine pressure catheter that you were explaining mm-hmm. about, and the contractions just weren't strong anymore it was interesting Mm -hmm. and and you know it had been quite a while and so they asked if they could start pitocin and the doctor who is very well known here in our community came in spent like 20 minutes talking to her about it and Mm -hmm. explaining it about all the pros all the cons what he's seeing you know his experience and his goals for her birth were her goals and it was just really awesome and that's um, incredible. Yeah, it was he really, you know, he just stands out. But anyway, so she decided to do Pitocin and did two milliliters. And then, like, her body just kind of just finished. And hit a pit. Mm. She just needed a hit. A pit. <laughs> yeah, I whiff. Yeah, she just needed a little whiff. And, you know, and she, she said after, she's like, you know, I don't feel like my body really needed that. I feel like hmm. I could have got uh-huh. to a 10 myself. And I'm like, you know what? You probably could have. Absolutely. Um, she was nine centimeters for six hours, mm. you know, and mm. and her water had been broken at that point for almost 24 hours. And so she was like, but she's like, I felt really good after sitting down with him and talking to him about it. And so anyway, they ended up doing two. She quickly dilated to a 10. Awesome. They ended up turning Pitocin off, which was awesome, partly because the baby wasn't liking it for a little bit. And then anyway, yeah, then she pushed her baby out, her VBAC baby, and she said the same thing. Oh, like wow. it was just incredible. It was so awesome. Very petite woman and eight pound baby, you know, this little cute chubby <laughs> cheek little boy came out and oh, it's just awesome. It goes babies. to show when you are with awesome providers and providers whom you can trust mm-hmm. and providers who handle themselves well in a sticky situation when you've got a sticky shoulder it can make a big difference in one the outcome of your birth and two the way you view your birth mm-hmm. and so we love hearing that we're loving that you had that experience and their their uh instagram they talk about or they have on their instagram how they're one of the lowest cesarean rates in the mm-hmm. nation i think so yeah, so it's cool. It's cool that you were able to go there and we could hear a little bit of um, your experience. Yeah, and he them. wasn't a small baby. He was nine pounds eleven ounces. Yeah, Whoa, he was a nice, chunker. A big yeah, <laughs> he was good size. So, I yeah. love chunky babies. All my babies were little tiny skinny butts. 
So <laughs> I love chunky babies. So I had chunky babies, Aww. except for my first, who was my preemie. But even my seven pound three ounce baby had rolls on her neck. Oh. Like neck rolls, neck rolls are the best. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh. Gotta clean them good. Yes. Well, thank you so much for. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you, and we just want to remind everybody about our blog. It's it's out there. It's the vbacklink.com slash blog, and we have a ton of blogs about this and we also have information about like finding good providers because you know what you were a terrible VBAC candidate horrible horrible that's horrible horrible. (laughs) and you rocked your VBAC even with the shoulder dystocia and it just goes to show that and with an almost 10 pound baby yeah and it just goes to show that you know good provider that's trained and supportive and you've got a good team and your doula and everybody it just goes to show how powerful the woman's body is. And so go check out the blogs and uh, let us know what you think. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.